0: We- Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. And every episode, we have someone who you'd see in the theater, either on stage, backstage, or in the house, to discuss an original cast album they love. And today, we are joined by actor, dramaturg, and librarian Megan Reichhold. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How good. Are you, I'm doing just fine. It's freezing outside. It is really. Cold. But we're inside, yes. both wearing sweaters because it's <laughs> freezing outside. Yes. And you chose. Hit, hit, hit us.
1: I chose the Scarlet Converted. Never hold back your step for a moment.
0: Look alive, or your courage will grow. Yes, Yes, it's it's higher and higher. Version 1.0, as I understand it. So, yes, right.
1: I mean that is the that is the version I own. Right. But there are four of them. The version I saw on Broadway was version two. Okay. So it was very strange. Yeah. And now they're up to four.
0: Is that what? The... <laughs> well, it's a Frank Wildhorn show. He yeah. just can't stop writing them. Where, how did this come into your into your life?
1: Oh, it's very strange. Um, so I, I grew up in a house that listened to musicals. We either listened to musicals or. I think ABBA. Sure. Uh, musicals in ABBA was what we cleaned the house to as a family. We had these records. So, like,
0: Mamma Mia is, like, your family, like, in a nice Pretty Broadway, much, Broadway show. Yes. Okay,
1: yeah. uh, even though I've never seen Mamma Mia. <laughs> um, but uh, we would listen to things like Godspell, uh, Les Mis. I remember falling in love with Gavroche mm-hmm. when I was the same age as Gavroche and was very upset to find out what happened to him. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, There were, these were all musicals that were introduced to me by my parents. Um, Then um, my mom, my mom had this movie called The Scarlet Pimpernel Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, 1982, I think is when it came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was with Anthony Andrews and Jane Seymour, goddess of a woman. Oh wow, yes. Oh my goodness. Um, And uh, a very, very young Ian McKellen as Chauvelin. Oh. And I fell in love with this movie. Um, it was one of those things where it's one of those touchstone things from your childhood Mm -hmm. where you just keep going back to it and back to it. Um, And then I discovered that they were going to make a musical about it. I think I found out really early on somehow. Um, I was in 8th grade, 7th or 8th grade when I found out um, and I started to obsess. And this was like the early days of when we actually could get the internet in our house and it wasn't just um prodigy sure or things sure. like that sure i prodigy um uh and it we started there was like actual websites that you could go to and mm. you could chat to people um and so i started to find these little websites i was when, in researching this to try and like find my childhood again i found a couple of them um like blakeney manor i think is a website that's still up there it's a fan <laughs> site for the scarlet <laughs> pimpernel and in the process of doing this uh, i also my parents bought me the books, so I had. Oh, okay. The, so there's the original book, right? And then she wrote a whole bunch. She wrote like a series, which I hadn't realized. Okay. Um, the movie is a mashup between Scarlet Pimpernel and El Dorado, which is a good choice, very good choice. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but we had to get them from like England, and they were cloth bound oh, and wow. very strange. It was it was a, a big Man. stretch for them to get. Um, but so this musical, um, I knew it was coming, and I didn't know anything about it, but. I remember a birthday. I don't know which birthday. And I, we were having a party at my house. And somebody, possibly my parents, bought me the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't paying attention to the party after that. I, like, put it in <laughs> over the the big, like, sound system we had in the living room. And I sat there next to the speaker and ignored all the people who came for my birthday. Wow. And listened to it. Um, and so then... Um, the obsession continued. Uh-huh. I found this one friend online who wrote fan fiction. She was around my age, maybe a little older. So there was like we we built this kind of online RPG where we took on personas in the world. OK. And we talked um, and I started to save up for going to see the musical on Broadway. I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not so good at saving money. <laughs> I had a jar. Uh, and so I would keep putting money in it and putting money in it. But I'm an instant gratification kind right. of gal, so I started taking the money, money out, out of it, it and yeah. out of it. But then, surprise, my parents got it for me for Christmas. Oh, we nice. took a family trip up to New York, uh, and we saw version two, Okay. which was different. Um, Do you
0: remember if it was still at the Minskoff or was it at the Neil Simon at I, that
1: point? I believe it was at the Minskoff. Okay. Um, and then, uh, I don't remember, I think we went to like Sorrento's or like, we went to like an Italian place sure. afterwards and then came back. It was like up matinee mm-hmm. on the bus. It was All an right. a cr- incredible adventure. And apparently my mom told me that there was this lady on the bus that started like screaming profanity on the way home. I don't remember, don't remember that. Any of that, but it was a family adventure. Um, so that, that's kind of how it came into my life. Wow. Yeah.
0: Jeez. All right. And so... <laughs> So you've read all the books? No, not all. Oh, not all the books. Okay. Cause they... How many are there?
1: Like seven.
0: And they're are there novels or novellas. Like how they're, we, they're they're novels. They're pretty
1: much novels. They're okay. you can't see this audience. Right, but a couple it's hundred about pages, like an inch sure. thick. Um, and they're really interesting, but they're for me they're not as good as the movie. Okay. <laughs> Which is weird. Um, cause they they have these moments, these beautiful moments of passion. Um, but the the plots themselves are a bit like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's what happened in the in the actual book, um should I explain the plot? Oh, well, yeah, yes. that's what <laughs> wanted to get there yeah, Moving eventually into that like point.
0: what the plot of the of the musical is. Well, um, okay. so however you want to tackle that go let's ahead.
1: see. The plot of the musical is different from the plot of the book. The plot of the musical is that, And I actually had to look this up because it's (laughs) apparently changed a bunch. Percy, Percy, so Percy Blakeney, um, who is uh, an English aristocrat, has married this beautiful, uh, very intelligent young woman uh, who is an actress in France. And this is all during um, the French Revolution. Hmm. And is she
0: French or is she just? She is French. She is French. Okay. She is French,
1: and they love each other so much but at um, the wedding, Percy finds out that she betrayed somebody he knows to the guillotine. And so he feels like he doesn't know her Mm -hmm. anymore. Uh, And so he decides, um, like there's this beautiful song, uh, at least in the first version about what does he do? Does he just like live his life as like a dandy and like accept it and kind of be hollow inside? Or does he do something about it? Uh, and so he and his friends form the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel and they go to on these adventurous like disguise filled expeditions to France and uh, save these nobles from the guillotine now the the kind of Javert of the piece pretty much <laughs> is um, is Chauvelin who is one of the the members of the committee of public safety or national security depending on which version you're reading right um and he is responsible for catching the scarlet pimpernel um in the uh they in both versions i think they used to um he used to have a romantic relationship with marguerite the okay the actress yeah that
0: clears a bunch of stuff up yeah. yeah okay that makes sense
1: um and so he decides to use her position in English society because now she is like the most fascinating woman in England because she has she's like kind of exotic Mm -hmm. and everybody confides in her to try and find the identity of this Englishman, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Um, uh, Because he has he has her brother captured um, for helping the Scarlet Pimpernel. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to force her to do this, even though she doesn't want to. So she decides to uh, pass a note to one of the league of the Scarlet Pimpernel to meet the Scarlet Pimpernel secretly on the bridge. Um, and sh- they don't... Uh, she doesn't look at him. But she confesses what happened. She explains everything. And then she goes away. Mm. And then her husband's like, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: The whole time everything was great. Right. and I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so he goes to... I think he goes to save her brother. And... She goes also to save her brother not knowing. Oh. Uh, and so hijinks ensue. she <laughs> finds out that he's the Scarlet Pimpernel. Um, there's a lot of like adventures and disguises and eventually, uh, oh, love wins and Chauvelin is foiled in a comedic and not death way and Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's one of those kind of rollicking adventure things. Full yeah, of, full of passion.
0: It's it's one of the most plot heavy shows. I think we've ever talked about on this podcast, or
1: perhaps I talk a lot. No, no, <laughs> because
0: the thing is, so I'd never heard this before. Mm-hmm. I was certainly aware of it, and I told you before we came in here that one of my great disappointments was discovering that Terrence Mann is not the Scarlet. No, now. he's not. He's he's what's how do you pronounce the name?
1: Uh, Chauvelin.
0: Chauvelin, which makes sense. I mean, it is that's the reason I laughed when you said it's the Javert character. It, it is. It is. Terrence he even Mann.
1: has like sort of a stars uh, song, yes. even though it's yes. much more. Which I really
0: enjoyed. Is that Falcon and the Dive you yeah, referring to? Falcon yes, and the dive. I really like Falcon and the Dive. Mm-hmm. So I, I have some experience with Frank Wildhorn, who's a composer for this. I've uh, I, I know several versions of Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> yeah.
1: <I laughs>
0: From the that... concept album up, there's there's like four or five versions. I'm I've I've seen one of them. I saw it on tour before mm-hmm. it went to Broadway. Right before they fired everybody and like completely retooled it. So I've seen a version <laughs> that like you, that very few people I have seen. I love
1: that this is just a thing he does. Apparently,
0: this is a thing he does, and I've seen the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And now I've heard this. So those are my three Frank Wildhorn shows. Mm-hmm. And I I have to say, I listened to this I started listening to it a couple days ago. And I listened put it on and I was I was doing something else, as is my way. And I realized I was about six songs in and I had no idea what I I'd just heard and had yeah. to go all the way back to the beginning and oh, like yeah. then sit and listen to it. And I listened to it twice that way. And I couldn't have told you what the story of this musical
1: was. Nope,
0: (laughs) at all. I could have told you there was somebody called Scarlett Uh Pimpernel, and that there was like some kind of romantic. It felt to me like there was a love triangle Mm -hmm. in there. And past that, I had really no clue. I mean, I knew that that Terence Mann was the bad guy from the key his songs were in, and I, you know, but like. I couldn't have told you any of that, that what you just told me oh, from yeah. the score. Well,
1: and the funny thing is that I like—I didn't realize how much I did not know the plot of the musical versus the plot of the movie, because mm. when I listen to these songs, I just kind of have the movie in my head and have those movie characters singing these songs. Mm. So I kind of know...
0: So you put the musical that. on the movie. It, I feel and, like yeah. in
1: my head, this is kind of just like a fun little fanfic <laughs> <of> like... <laughs>
0: So it's tangentially not, related to this yeah, movie. Okay. Yeah, it's
1: not like, it's not the best, but it has like <laughs> these really cool moments that inform characters that you already know and love. Right. But standalone, not necessarily yeah. the best thing.
0: It is just, it's not bad. Mm-mm. It just isn't good to me. Like, no. I really, <laughs> I didn't, it was so background music. Yes. And, and And even with the score, like, I mean, even with the lyrics and even with... It's yeah, I don't know. Like it really, I really. It took me a lot by surprise because the thing is, like, say what you will about Jacqueline Hyde, and I can say plenty. Mm-hmm. It 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 holds your attention. Mm-hmm. It's a very, I mean, dramatic with a like twenty four point typeface capital D. <laughs> it is a dramatic show, but it has like you can kind of glean the plot a little bit from the songs, and it has like moments dramatized in music and blah blah and all this interesting stuff. The Civil War is, is maybe the worst musical ever written, so we'll throw that Gosh, off the table. I don't know sure. if you're aware of the Civil War or I, not.
1: I am, I think. Did Arena try and do it? tried. they try, do it? Did... Somebody,
0: I saw it at Catholic U. Um...
1: Oh, Catholic! You did try to do it. They
0: did it. They or, did. I mean, not I try. Mean, they did, they, yeah, well, they, they did it as much as anyone. That's could.
1: probably how I got. I was aware of it because I, yeah. I was around at that it was,
0: time. Oh, that's true. You probably were there yeah. when they were doing. T- oh, it was a nightmare. Oh, I, went, I had several friends in it. I went to see it. And you're like, no. Oh. It was a nightmare of a show. It is. I think it is. I, I say it's the worst musical ever written, <laughs> meaning though that like, it's the worst musical I've ever seen mm-hmm. that actually played on Broadway. You know what I mean? Like yes. it, that reached that level of professionalism and was supposed to be the apex okay. of our profession. Yes, it was horrible. Mean, obviously, I've seen worse musicals in my life. That, were, but they are written by people who aren't necessarily at the top of their game and all that other blah 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 blah. Uh. The Civil War was just an abomination uh. of a show, and and the, but I'm not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Scarlet Pimpernel. It- and so I kind of went into this with this feeling of like, okay, it's a Frank Wildhorn show. I'm going to hedge my expectations a little bit. It's going to be what it's going to be. And I really have to say, it, it it's it's sort of like, it's very much in between Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. and The Civil War. It's not terrible. It's also not, like, Jekyll and Hyde, like I say, it's very dramatic, but it's at least interesting. Like, I don't agree with everything in it, but mm-hmm. I find it interesting. This was just, every song kind of fl- bled mm-hmm. into the other one. The yeah. voices were all very nice. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have told you who anybody was no. at any given point or what they were doing. And then every now and again, a song would come out and I'd go, oh, that's a, I like that song. Like mm-hmm. Falcon and the Dive. Right. Or a song would come out that I really didn't like. Which the song, I, I, the other problem with listening to it is, I found myself unable to remember any of the the titles. The
1: titles, right? But
0: there's a patter song, late. In the show. Uh is it Or maybe it's midway through. Uh, the creation of man. Uh, yeah. Which I was just dumbfounded by Strutza, Watsu? Roosters do. Give a cock his comb and the hens will pale. Box full rams of the nanny goat and billy, sir, whose beard is fully woolly, sir. It's bully for the billy for his willy-nilly male. Who is singing that song?
1: Are you actually I'm actually asking, asking you. This, yes. yeah, so oh 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 this is a thing. Okay. I, that I didn't explain in the plot. Um, but basically Percy uh decides to kind of hide the fact he's he's kind of like Bruce Wayneing it but like Yeah,
0: I should say this this is this, this This series of novels. I mean Scarlet Pimple Narrow is mm-hmm. a tremendously influential piece of literature mm-hmm. and is the basis for like Batman and the Shadow and these sort of and rich Zorro, people and, and Zorro yeah. and these rich men who put on masks and go fight mm-hmm. for the common man
1: but then they have like the the disguise that they wear in real life and in, in right. the creation of man is kind of a in this version he's trying to convince the king
0: who is the he? Percy? Percy okay
1: the uh, my husband yeah. will t- tell you that I'm a terrible storytelling. <laughs> uh, so um has put on this like dandified persona so that no oh, one will suspect him.
0: Okay, and so
1: all the league does that in creation of man. They're meeting with the king and they're trying to convince the king, like be like us, the be king of the, England, the king of England, okay, prince of England, prince of Wales, sure, possibly the prince of Wales, uh, but royal person, right? Be fancy like us. Don't suspect us of being right. Don't We're foppish now. and, and yeah.
0: yeah, not and to be disregarded exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um
1: so that is the purpose of that song. Okay,
0: that makes a little more sense. <laughs> yes, and it also, but what I couldn't, and I, it also now makes a lot of sense that if it's Percy putting on this character mm-hmm. of, of foppish Percy because he sings it in a very stylized oh yeah voice, which doesn't sound it is it Douglas Sills? Yeah, Douglas does not sound like him at all. Mm-hmm from the other songs we've heard with his, like, very masculine, you know, baritone. Yes. So, yes, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I felt it was, like, a, a character who I just didn't know who it was being foppish, but that makes a lot more sense.
1: Well, and the Scarlet Pimpernel always kind of has this, um, in whatever version, it has this kind of, like, uh, oh, gosh, like, sink me. I talk like this. And then I'm, I'm so <laughs> fancy. La. La.
0: What's well, the other problem? <laughs> this, this has a uniquely... American problem, I feel, Mm -hmm. that, like, everybody has a British accent, even Uh the French
1: people. (laughs) Well, except for Marguerite, and that bugs the crap
0: out of me. There's always one. There's always one actor in Mm -hmm. these shows, especially, it's usually an American thing, doing the actual right accent, which just draws a lot more attention to the fact that no one else is doing it. Because when there's such a big part of the plot is some characters are British and some characters are French,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not saying everyone needs to do a French accent. But maybe an American accent would even be like, better just to be like, oh, they're not, they're not they're, French. They're right. like, a, they're not English anyway, which is.
1: Or make the choice that everybody is speaking English because that was like a language that a lot of people right. spoke. Make, make, make a choice with Yeah, it, make
0: some kind of choice.
1: Rather than just like, let's have Marguerite talk like this. Yeah, very French. And it's also a problem when I'm trying to sing the songs now because I'm, I memorize the songs in that terrible French accent. Right. And so I can't. Sing it for auditions without consciously trying to erase, which is terrible. Like the right. the way that she says things.
0: Yeah, because then you can't just relax and nope. and sing the song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's mimicry, right? Is that how you learn stuff? This is how I learn stuff. Yeah, it's that's how, how I, learn I, stuff I can't too.
1: read music. Um, oh no so, no oh. so I just listened to things over and over which mm-hmm. was a, a huge problem actually when I um when I was in Sweeney Todd recently mm-hmm. I was in, in the ensemble and so I was like no I know all this music by heart I can do all of it no I don't know the alto parts right. of the chorus and it's
0: Sondheim, so it's not and it never goes exactly where you no, think it's gonna go and yeah. so my
1: brain was like exploding because yeah. I couldn't I could, it was like trying to get somewhere without the map because like mm-hmm. I know that the notes are on the page, but I can't. I don't know what they mean. Right. So that would really help me, but I can't <laughs> use that. So I just gotta listen to it over and over. And
0: you over. never took music lessons.
1: I did. I took a music theory with at um. A Catholic. At Catholic. Well, how can you not read music? <laughs> it did not stick.
0: I mean, I can read music. I can read music enough to say, oh, that's a G, and that's a whole step, and that's a half. So you can't even do that.
1: Okay, so I can do. I can do rhythm. Okay. And I can do yeah, this note. I'm not great note. at rhythm. If, I, if you give me that note, I can probably guess what this note sounds like.
0: Oh, I'm not great at that either.
1: But, like, I, if I, I can't do, like, the very first note. Like, I can't read the note, like, see a thing and have the music play in my head.
0: Well, see, that's not... Yeah, see, now, you you have a definition of reading music that I used to have. I, I've, I don't know if I've done it on this show or not, but I, 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 I thought... The movie Amadeus ruined that music for me oh, in some God. ways. Because...
1: It's oh, a great scene was,
0: where he picks up the sheet music and, uh, and he reads it and you can hear him hearing the that's, compositions. Yeah. So I thought that's what reading music was. Me too. That's not what reading music is. Okay. <laughs> reading music is simply the ability to look at a staff and mm-hmm. go, and and usually on an instrument, mm-hmm. go, okay, like that's a G and that's mm-hmm. here and like the next note's here. And like you can kind of like fiddle it.
1: I can't do the letters. Okay. So I can't like look at a staff and say that's a G. Right. I can look at a staff. Someone gives me the the first note. Right. And I can say this note is a half step. So it's probably yeah. Like, a, uh, like it's probably yeah. You're a good, there. So you
0: have re- good relative pitch. That's that's. But
1: I don't know the names of things. Well,
0: that's okay. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Like so I guess the... te- probably technically you can't read music. What? then, yeah. But you took like a music the, theory the class. And... And
1: the, yeah. I, don't I won't ask the...
0: you who you took it from. Uh, I
1: don't remember <laughs> who I took it from.
0: <laughs> well, that's very fitting.
1: <laughs> well, and it kind of is. It kind of is in the same realm in my head as math. Sure I had this really horrible like math phobia. When I was in school, I would always um, we had this terrible thing where we had to do around the world where I would stand, um, we would all stand and then we would have to do the multiplication tables. And if you got it wrong, you sat down. And oh my I, like, gosh. so I was like horribly shamed as a child. I remember crawling under the table when they said we were going to do around the world so that, like, no one would notice me or, like, see, make me do that. So I would go to the nurse. I would go to the psychologist. Oh I would, like, avoid math like the plague, which is why I can't do multiplication tables now. I never learned them. Um, so, all right. <laughs> yeah. I have this, like, avoidance or, like, Numbers. This is the thing with numbers involved. I can't. Right.
0: No math. I mean, music and math are very, very tightly exactly. connected. So I'm not. Yeah. That's not uh All right. Where'd you grow up?
1: Where did I grow up? Yeah. Baltimore.
0: Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: Um. I, I went to uh, a public school for elementary, and that's where that happened. Uh-huh. And then private schools, because that's where my mom taught. Okay. So I was like able to go for free, and yeah. it was much easier of a commute for my mom. Yeah. To that's not good. drop me off. In one
0: place, and then you're done. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. um god that's horrifying the things we do to or used to do maybe still do we probably always, still do we still do it to our kids one about. of the things
1: i've noticed in because I, I work in a school is that we do things to children that we would never do to adults and we talk to them in a way yeah. that we would never talk to adults yeah yeah um it's it's so strange how it's okay to do it to talk to a children in a, a child in a certain way and not, and Right, but you would never think of doing that when you're like in an office situation. Right. Um, yeah. It's odd. It is
0: odd. We forget very quickly <laughs> mm-hmm. that we were all children.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the, it's the very traumatizing
0: were... for a lot of us. But I mean, yeah. I think that yeah, we just seem to forget that it's very quick. We were like, nope, I was never that. I was never that way. You were totally that way. You oh, we're all yeah. that way.
1: Like when you're sitting on the metro and all these kids are like sitting, like yelling and yeah. like having a good time, and you're like. God Right Youths
0: But I totally did that Oh yeah I mean not on the metro I didn't grow up here But yes right. I did that I absolutely did that I was a big Well I lived near A high school mm-hmm. And the kids were allowed To leave for lunch every day And like So like Around 11 o'clock Or 11.30 I can hear them Walking mm-hmm. past my house You're Going like, to lunch And they're really loud And mm-hmm. they're like Some of them are cursing And they're like Screaming at each other And I'm just sitting there Being like Yep No that's Nope That's the way I was And that's uh, This is what you call Payback I guess for Yeah me. <laughs> For all the times Pretty I much. did this to somebody, they're doing it to me right now. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's a it's a terrible thing. Yeah, learning learning singing as a mimic, which is absolutely I'm a I'm a I'm a huge mimic, mm-hmm. and it's good in one way. But like you say, to like have to consciously ever turn it off and reinterpret something mm-hmm. as your own, especially something you first heard when you were in high school. Mm-hmm is virtually impossible. I mean, it is just—it's a very. Yeah. You might as. And I think you're probably making the right decision. To be like, nope, not going to sing that. That that's only going to hurt.
1: Well, and I I did some some voice lessons with uh, Steve uh, who did. Um, oh,
0: Steve Shabelsky. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I didn't realize how much of what I knew from the mimicry mm-hmm. was not what the note said. Yeah. At all. It was all interpretation by the Whoever. artist who was singing it. Right. And so he had to be like, no. Yeah, that's a whole that's note, a note, not a half note or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, you have to read the music. You just have to look <laughs> at it. You don't have to like because I I did that in college doing finishing the hat, and I didn't realize how much Mandy Patinkin messed with the rhythm. So I would sing it for my voice instructor, and she'd be like, "Actually, these are these <laughs> are Mandy can do whatever he wants. You have to sing two <laughs> quarter notes and an eighth note. Like that's that's the law. Yes, that's how that works. You are not you are not he, and I'm not still not trying <laughs> still not. So, as much
1: as we can, as much as we'd love love to be, we can never be
0: Mandy (laughs) Padinkin. No, anyway, yeah. Um, Um, I want to hear more about that, but first, uh, Megan, would you come with me to the green room? Okay, great, let's go. Got a message here for everybody from Don Mike Mendoza. It says, Happy hour, show, silent auction, dance party. If you're into these things, join Lati for their fifth anniversary on January 23rd, 2017. Learn more and get tickets at Lati Do Productions.com. So that's a great message from Don Mike to get out there and celebrate the fifth anniversary of Lati Great organization, great shows, great fun down there at DuPont Circle, and I hope you can make it out there. Our second message is from Roddy Flynn, also a former guest of the podcast. Roddy's message is a little bit uh, less well organized and simply says, Could you just ask people to follow me at Roddy Flynn, the Congressional LGBT Equality Caucus at at EQ Caucus, and the Equality Pack at at LGBT Equality Pack? I believe those are in references to Twitter. Uh, but Roddy doesn't specify, and I would hate to speculate in this political climate. So thank you, Roddy, for your um, your message. If you want to get a message on The Green Room, it couldn't be easier. All you have to do is go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. It's really simple. takes about five seconds to complete. And if you do that, I will give you those five seconds back here on this podcast. Just send me an email to originalcastpod at gmail.com with your iTunes username so that I know you did it, and uh, the five seconds of text you want me to read. It can be anything you want. You can plug something. You can say hi to somebody else. You can plug your Twitter account. You can plug your theater company. You can simply plug, you know, just life. So five seconds of text. That's about 30 words. Send that over to me, and we'll read it here on the air in the very next green room. All right, back to the show. So you, you sat and absor- obviously just, like, voraciously absorbed this this uh, cast album <laughs> when you got it. Yes. And then went to see the show, but the show was different when mm-hmm. you went to see it. Was that an issue?
1: I don't remember it being like okay. it's weird. Like just um, judging up the memories for this, I realized that it was. It had to have been because I saw Rex Smith. I saw Rachel York. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading the differences between the two, uh, the two versions, I actually liked the stage version better. The one you saw. The one I saw. Oh, okay. Like I, just in terms of reading the plot synopsis, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that makes more sense. Mm-hmm um especially since they, they made some some changes like they started off with storybook wake me come be the love I can
0: hold now Storybook love leaves me cold now show me the way to stop dreaming they- The moment I say love. Right, I think I saw that. Yeah, anyway. where yeah.
1: she's, um, the storybook happens in the original version like later late on. Late in act where, two, right? Yeah, where and and she's like, all the way to the top the Oh, she, she goes to a, um, like a bistro or something and is trying to get information mm-hmm. um, out of these French soldiers to figure out like where her brother is or something. And she pretends
0: to be somebody else,
1: right? Yes, yeah. and I'm not 100% sure if it's just like a, like a hooker or like right. something something kind of sexual and world-weary. Right. But they start off with her doing that in the Comédie Française. And so it really gives you a clear version of like this is Marguerite. This right. is who she is. Uh and in the first one they they have this love song which is just so bland and insipid called Believe. "As Roses Bend Through Breeze Henry.
0: Darkness waves defend
1: My favorite songs actually on the, the disc, which is You Are My Home. Mm-hmm. You are my home,
0: you make me strong, and in this world, strangers lie strangers to my songs. Which was a hit. It was actually an adult contemporary hit. I guess it I was. Yeah, before yeah. the musical opened. It was, a, it was a top 40 adult contemporary hit. Right. Wow. Yeah.
1: I don't know why I, don't know. I didn't know that. I feel well, like that should a, have been you're something. You're not all the way up
0: on adult contemporary music? That's I guess not. not. Well, not
1: <laughs> well, then. Because
0: there, there are, I don't know how many stage versions of this show, but there are at least four albums you can get. Yeah. Because And something Frank Wildhorn does a lot, which is actually something I kind of wish more people did, Mm -hmm. frankly, is have concept albums of his show Mm -hmm. released before the show comes out. So Mm -hmm. he has, like, Jekyll and Hyde started as a two-person concept album, which was Linda Etter and Colm Wilkinson playing all the parts, which was like sort of Jekyll and Hyde, and then there were two female parts. And it was just this Mm 12-track sort of, you know, could have stood on its own kind of concept album. And then they released another concept (laughs) album, which was a two-disc massive thing, which is what I had... And then they put it out. We mm-hmm. went to Broadway, and then they have a Broadway cast album for it. And then I think they might have even done a second Broadway cast album when David Hasselhoff took over, and the show like really blew up. But that's Jekyll and Hyde for Scarlet Pimpernel. They mm-hmm. started with a concept album again, and had this top forty hit. Uh, is it "You're My Home" or "You're you are My Home"? "You're yeah. My Home." And then now the cast album, Broadway cast album came out, and then they did an encore's cast album with almost the entire original Broadway cast that just included revisions they'd
1: made the extra songs sung by Rex Smith and, and Rachel Yorke, I maybe? think
0: except I think Terence Mann is on that record but I'm not 100% all, okay. this is the thing is I don't they're also very hard to find yeah the one you can the, the, and then there's another version I think like the London recording which is like version 3 hmm. of Pimpernel and then the version you do now is not even doesn't match any of the recordings no. you have out there at all so it's really hard to know what this yeah <laughs> what this show is um And, yeah, these shows that he does undergo constant revision and songs are put in and taken out and Mm. moved and switched. And there's generally one love ballad in all of his shows that, like, is a constant. Like, in in Jekyll and Hyde, it's, what is this song called? Once Upon a Dream, which is, again, like you said about Belief, just the most insipid, like, boring song ever. Once upon a dream. I can see the perfect
1: plan
0: that would change the face of man once upon a dream. Um. And uh, yeah, that follows th- mm-hmm. through all the versions, and, and and "You Are My Home" is in like the, the is the hit, obviously, and then got a piece of more importance as the show went on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's interesting to me as somebody if you learn mimicry like mm-hmm. I do, little differences in shows that you see in scores mm-hmm. and things are really like tingly. Always, yeah, they're yeah. not not great.
1: No, you're like you you learn to sing it in a way, and then you get into the groove, and then you're listening to the other album, and you're like, No, no, I can't sing it. I can't sing it now because it's different. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's funny when you were when you were doing the your whatever podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about what song I would have chosen for like my favorite mm-hmm. love song, and it's odd that like you are my home was the one. Mm. And it's not like the the most technically complex. It's not like the the greatest love song in right. the world. <laughs> but it's always the one that hit right hmm. here in my heart. Um, I I make. Playlists for characters that I play. Oh, okay. Um, and that one has been on a few of them. It was it was on my my pirates playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as a, a song for for, for pirates
0: Op- after dark. Not pirates, yes. Penzance. I'm just like just to pirates clarify, after dark. Yeah, pirates no, after dark. Uh, for, um, flying V pirates after dark. For
1: for the uh, I don't remember if it was one or two. I think it was on both one and two. The pirates one and two. Um, and it was for Opal and, and Ruby. Uh, it's just one that has like some great emotional resonance for me. I love the ideas that it explores. Um, How old were you when you first heard the show? Eighth grade.
0: Okay, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, so it it, yeah.
1: it hit me right at the right. I was time gonna say that's that's because, perfect. Yeah, because it was all um, like romance and like uh, like okay the r- first the romance. <laughs> lots of passionate, like, lingering glances. Yes. Like,
0: oh, yeah. Lots of, like,
1: oh, he touched her hand and there was tingles. And she knows something, but he doesn't know it. But there's so much passion. Yeah. Um. There's this moment. There's <laughs> uh,
0: storybook. You know, that yeah. kind of, like, yeah, yeah. adventure romance. Type. It is. Yeah.
1: Well, and there's this beautiful moment in the book where, like, she is really upset with him. Like, they're finally having this confrontation. She doesn't understand why he's changed so much since they got married. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he kind of shuts himself off. And yeah. And so she goes into the house upset. And there's this passage that like, but if she looked back, she would have seen him touching the place where her foot fell and kissing the ground. And he was so upset and burning with passion. And it's one of those things where you're like, my little eighth grade self was like, mmm, <laughs>
0: That's
1: so good. That's what love is. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then the movie is full of like these longing glances between Jane freaking Seymour.
0: Oh, so dramatic.
1: They love each other so much.
0: They can't say anything about it. Yep. And so the. The 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 book takes place during the Reign of Terror, which mm-hmm. is early eighteen early nineteenth century,
1: mm-hmm. uh, or late
0: late eighteenth century
1: seventeen nineties.
0: Yeah, yeah, and went on for however long.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the book is written at the turn of the century, nineteen oh one, according to this. Yes. Um, so
1: it's kind of like a nostalgic. So look it, yes, it, this it is. Time. It is a
0: romance. It is not written. I thought it was originally written of the period. I thought it, but it, it is, is, which explains a lot of this, mm-hmm. like. Oh, gosh, wasn't it so wonderful? No, no it was, <laughs> no, it was, it was pretty awful. The Reign of Terror was pretty aptly named period of history.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, and they 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 don't... Like, of course, the Reign of Terror is a terrible thing in the book. Right. But they do romanticize, like, the the daring rescue. Well, and he's
0: rescuing... I love that that he's rescuing the nobles. Like, mm-hmm. he's not rescuing common people who were also being executed by the, the troves. He's yeah. rescuing nobles, which, I mean, hey... Ooh. wrong and imp- wrongly imprisoned is wrongly imprisoned and mm-hmm. you know no one deserves to be executed even so and
1: perhaps that is that is like <laughs> He's not robin hood you know I mean? yeah. like not in that way <laughs> i did notice on trying to reread the the book a little bit that she she loves her black and white sort of thing um where the french people
0: morally i mean m- morality wise or are... a,
1: a bit yeah or like drawing clear lines for the audience. Um, sort of so it starts out in the book it starts out with this like Paris scene and it's like all on the side of the French of like these nobles and they were terrible and we're gonna kill them all and it's from that perspective mm-hmm. and then it switches over to the second chapter where it's England and it's in a bar and all the English people are like oh those French froggy French people <laughs> they're terrible so like really kind of of like delineating what people think and where they are.
0: Well that's and a little so- bit I mean the kind of the musical kind of starts that way, doesn't it? Because it starts mm-hmm. at least this version mm-hmm. should specify. Starts with Madame Guillotine, mm-hmm. which is a song I I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And then after Belief, we'll just skip over we'll that skip over has again.
1: Vives. Vive, mes amis, je suis enchante. Simply to move through the sunlight. Open your eyes to this warm bright. Moment embracing us. Vive! You are. Yes. Which is the
0: same sort of like. Because that I believe, I would have to now infer, is her introduction to English society. English society. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. Yes. This is all, it's all clicking yep. now in my head. Okay. Yeah. So and, it does follow, it does track a little bit. And that bit got in the
1: cut from the second version. Oh, did it really? It did. Oh, that's a
0: fun song. I mean, I get, it you know. It is.
1: Yeah, it's apparently now a. Like a a mind thing, it's like a, oh. a pantomime during this a song called the wedding dance, which I found out today.
0: Okay. Um, so she still has this
1: like let's loosen up the the English right. society, but it's not during it's not with that song. Okay. Because you are introduced to Marguerite's character through storybook.
0: Oh, true. Um, so you don't need that yeah. anymore.
1: The cool thing about the guillot- uh, Madame Guillotine, which I love, I'm I'm like weirdly morbid in that way. of like, oh, the slicing and the yes. Mm-hmm blood <laughs> um, uh, in the second version it's now sung primarily and back, backed up by the crowd but sung primarily by Chauvelin oh which I thought was hmm. really useful to set up his character in the beginning
0: yeah because he doesn't come in until quite a way I think he's in a couple of the numbers if I can pick out Terrence Mann's voice in a crowd <laughs> um but he's in a couple He doesn't have anything to say on his own Until Falcon and the die. I'm not a man to hunger for blood But the spirit can cry To be younger and fiercer and fly pushing into the sky and higher And the strong will thrive Yes, the weak will cower While the fittest will survive If we wait for the darkest hour Here we spring alive Then with blood
1: In <laughs> the day.
0: which is which is about halfway it's halfway through the first set of songs that make right. up act one I have no idea where it is pretty much in yeah. timing of the show but it would feels like it's it's late in act one to mm-hmm. interest, like to have the villain step forward and and give his I Want song. Exactly. It's a little late for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about Frank Wildhorn and these rewrites, because it's a common... There's always a point where you want... Like, you have to stop working on the thing. Yeah. And anybody who's written anything (laughs) knows that. There's a point where you're like... It's not... I, I always go back to... The Lauren Michaels always says about SNL, like, we don't go on because we're ready. We go on because it's 1130. Yeah. And I absolutely, like, that's the way writing is. It's like you set it, you have a deadline, and you finish it the best you Mm -hmm. can. And then maybe you take it back and keep working on it. But, like, it's done. It's Mm -hmm. done because the show, like, the show's about to start. But with a broad, like, a show like this, you expect it to be more done (laughs) when it opens on Broadway. And his shows don't ever seem to be completely finished. No.
1: Well, was this the first one he had on Broadway?
0: No. Jekyll and Hyde was his first Thing that's interesting, Pimpernel was his second, okay. Um,
1: because, um, yeah, I was reading the history of the musical and mm. all the different versions and stuff like that, and they had reasons why these different changes were required. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had the, the show Scarlet Pimpernel on Broadway, and it was gonna close because yeah. it wasn't selling, right? And so, a different company or a different set of producers bought the show. And yeah. that's what preempted all these different rewrites, right. To it, to try and make make it more palatable to a wider audience, to like try and fix it, and then they got kicked out of the Minskoff and went to the Neil Simon. Yeah, it's and a, so they had to make it a lot smaller and cut right. characters because of the space.
0: It's a, it's funny how you count these things. Like, the the show ran opens at the Minskoff in November of ninety seven. Minskoff, (laughs) yeah. Opens at the Minskoff. There we go. In November of ninety-seven, closes in October of ninety-eight. Reopens a week later, and runs until May of ninety-nine. Yeah, same theater. Wow. It then closes again for four months, and then opens in September of ninety-nine at the Neil Simon, and runs for till uh, January of two thousand. Now, for me, if a show closes for four months, it is no longer open. (laughs) Like, that's four months is a long time to close. So, but it's still, IBDB credits it as having 772 performances. But I think that's a very misleading number because you think, oh, the show ran for 770 performances. That was a hit. It it really ran, to me, like, it ran for a chunk of performances at the Minskoff and then closed and then reopened in, like, a limited revival Mm -hmm. at the Neil Simon. Um, But Frank Wildhorn did have... He's one of, I don't know how many composers this have, there, there have been, but there are only very few composers who have ever had, in writer's period, who've had three shows running on Broadway at the same time. Yeah. And he had that, mm-hmm. technically, for like a week. Let me see, how long did Civil War run? Civil War <laughs> ran from April to June of 99. So for, during that period, Jekyll and Hyde, Scarlet Pimpernel, and Civil War were all running at the same time.
1: He must have been a very busy man. He,
0: I, well, except that he started writing Jekyll and Hyde in like ninety. Ah. It came to Broadway in about ninety four, I believe. Let me see, Oh, according to this, it came in ninety seven. Really?
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah. Jacqueline Hyde
0: opened in April of ninety seven, and Pimpernel opened in November of ninety seven.
1: Wow. Because like the version of Scarlet Pimpernel that I would see now, if it's playing anywhere, is completely different from any of the other ones. Would I'm you go see it with.
0: now? Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> I would. Well, especially
1: if it's like, have you seen the Tokyo production pictures? No. They have a girl playing Percy. Oh, uh, and she like she's she's dressed up as a guy, mm-hmm. uh, and she looks awesome. And they like it's a huge thing there. I think I've All seen right. pictures, and I would love to see that. Okay, I think that would be amazing. But I would like to see a regular production. Just be like, what was this what again? What was this about, right? What did I,
0: what? So when you you st- but you still listen to it a lot. I mean, you said in your emails. And yeah. So you countered it when you were 14, 13, mm-hmm. 14. And then you've gone through this sort of theatrical experience of studying theater and doing all kinds of theater and still doing theater Mm. now. And when you come back to this show, are you able to view it objectively, do you think? Or is it just – is it a pure, like, romance, nostalgia, comfort food kind of trip?
1: That is kind of where I live, that second one. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) um, I mean, like, I have have so many things that new versions will never compare to the old version that I had as a kid. Um, This one I think I have a little more distance with. Like, it's not like – the Old BBC Narnia that I watched when I was five. Oh my god, with like the the puppet lion, yeah. Um, like new versions, no, 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 no. I, I need my Aslan where you can run your fingers through his hair, you know, he's present, uh-huh. actually physically there. CGI lion, no, that's it's interesting.
0: Stupid. How do you reckon this? It's, it's an interesting thing to me, yeah. This, this, uh. This sort of car crash of nostalgia mm-hmm. and knowledge. Do you think you would like this show if you found it now? If I just saw it now, yeah, it was
1: probably not. Mm-hmm. For me, in my head, it's like the movie, and then I take the songs that I really care about. and kind of superimpose the songs mm-hmm. over. The I mean, movie. I, because like the musical itself, I don't, I don't care about the plot, really. Right. Like I, I care about certain songs, and it the doesn't songs really that...
0: make an effort. To no. make you care about no, these the characters, plot. like even again, mm-hmm. I hate to bring it back to Jekyll and Hyde, but it is like Jekyll and Hyde makes a concerted effort. I think because the book it's based on doesn't give you a lot. Like
1: no. Jekyll and
0: Hyde is a very like a very short and very kind of horror ish kind of thing, and it's really just about Henry Jekyll and mm-hmm. and and Hyde. Obviously, and, and, and you
1: find out at the very end, you're like, oh, oh this yes, twist, twist. It was That's the same, same person
0: was the musical makes a real effort to craft mm-hmm. this like a st- create characters around him and there's a lot of duality in mm-hmm. the musical that they that doesn't actually quite work but they do a lot of stuff with like his he and his dark personality he's got his fiance and then this prostitute who he meets through through Edward Hyde and like th- they're being two sides of this a lot of people mm-hmm. being two sides of the same coin um it does not all come together in <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde. But it is like, it makes a real effort to have all these characters yeah, inhabit like, the story that you already know. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't really seem to care whether, yeah. like it just sort of assumes this is a good guy, this is his, this is the, bad, the bad guy, guy this, this is the, is the romantic woman. lead, and you're off. Like, yeah. and it's, you'll like it because that's what it is.
1: And I think it's part of the reason why I'm okay with it is because I already have this this background knowledge mm-hmm. of like who these people are and why I care about them. And then this person that I care about sings this song. Right. Uh, and coming to it, like without any of that, just going to see the musical, you'd be like, what? Well, I, well, I don't care. Yeah. Um, and so, because I think I have that, all that emotional mm-hmm. background to it. And like those emotional tags on my soul of what this is. Then it's easier for me to, to kind of have an entry point to the musical, sure. Um, and there are there are certain, like not every song, but certain songs where I'm like that song. Like,
0: um, well, I will say there are songs in it that huh? I really enjoyed. I mean, I've been crapping all over the show, but like <laughs> I, I will say, like I, I I everything Terrence Mann sings is great in my opinion. Of period. But there. like song, like Falcon and the Dive is a is a good song.
1: Yeah. Though I I was re listening to it recently for this, and mm-hmm. I I was like. This imagery, man, I don't yeah. actually know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Like you got a spear and you're gonna fly, but there's the moon that's smoldering. Yes. And like, what is that? Is this like a, a Mag- <laughs> not not a Magritte painting? Maybe a Magritte painting. Maybe a Magritte like a, painting. A, a Dali kinda... painting. Well, like... it doesn't
0: want to be that, but it kind of is that. Yeah. It, the imagery does get kind of. I feel like what's going for there, the lyricist who is, I mean, Nan. Look, his, nan, hang what's
1: on. What's her king something?
0: Nan, Nan. Oh, I brought up Nan, Nan. Knighton or named Knighton. I don't know how you pronounce that last name either. I don't know. I'm in a lot of trouble. Um
1: yeah. it's But it
0: is, it feels like you're supposed to, it's supposed to be an overwhelming conflicting imagery. It's supposed to be a character who is kind of lost and conflicted mm-hmm. and out of control. And so the imagery is in that way.
1: Yeah.
0: But there's a way to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's like is a is bit that. more. It's also not as interesting. I mean, one of the things that makes Javert a, a, a unfair, but Inevitable comparison. Yes. It, it Makes Javert a compelling villain is that he has a strong moral compass, mm-hmm. which he clearly understands. And then when that moral compass is challenged, he falls apart. And that's interesting to watch. Yes. Uh, how do you say it? Chauvelin. Has, <laughs> I'm just gonna edit it in, so like you just say it. Um, doesn't seem to have that. He's, he's kind of a random, because the people yeah. behind the Reign of Terror and the French Revolution, had a, a moral compass. Uh-huh. They had something they were railing against. Mm-hmm. It was instantly corrupted Yes. due to a lack of, like, sort of moral cohesion, mm-hmm. which led to the reign of terror and, and Robespierre and, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but they did believe they were doing the right thing. Yes. And I don't get that from his character. No. I don't get what... I don't understand... He's just kind of the bad guy mm-hmm. in a very mustache-twisty kind of way.
1: And it comes from a very emotional place rather than an intellectual place i think which is just a huge contrast from from javert um where things like in falcon in the dive um the scarlet pimpernel has started to like wreak havoc and so he this is him desperately trying to regain control of the situation and like find him right um and so it's i would be interested since we don't have anything setting him up previous to that to see if in the, yeah, the script, if him singing like what was he before that? Because I, a lot of the portrayals of him, um, the the portrayal in the movie and kind of the way you see him in pictures from the show is that he he wears all black. He's a very controlled yeah. man, um, and so this this kind of flare up of Falcon in the dive is would be juicy if you have that comparison. Right. Um but right now that's the only thing you have at least I mean, in the soundtrack. And it
0: is the other thing of like you don't I don't really have a good sense of of the Pimpernel as a character.
1: The Scarlet Pimpernel? Yes. Mm-hmm. So
0: I don't really know. Like, it's, it's, I can't even get a sense of him mm-hmm. off of off of who he's fighting. Yeah. Like, if this is who he hates and I understand mm-hmm. who he hates, then I can kind of, okay, so you're like this. I can yeah. kind of build it backwards. But I don't even really have a good sense of, of him <laughs> from
1: well, this recording.
0: I'm really yes, sorry to, no. like, I've invited you down here to crap on this thing you love. And I no, apologize for no, that. No, it's <laughs> fine.
1: And, and I understand why you say these things. Um, yeah. And, and, like, the uh, Percy in the Scarlet Pimpernel, it, in the movie... Um, is already doing this. He's already... The, oh, really? Yeah. So, like, the musical is very different where this is his, like, origin story of, like, oh, his wife betrayed, and so he feels like he has to do something. But in the movie and in the book, he's already saving people. See, that's
0: much more interesting to me. I
1: would think so. Yeah.
0: And then it's that getting married, and then suddenly that complicates... Yeah. ...what you're already doing. Mm-hmm. ...instead of, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's huh. he's
1: kind of set up as this, like... He it's it's like the black versus the gold. Like he's this golden person. He's so, he's usually mm-hmm. blonde. He ha- wears these fabulous outfits. Like not not fabulous. Like over the top. No, but like I know what you mean. But like elegant. Yes. Um. Uh. With like gold and lace and brocade and um. But has no problem, like smearing mud on his face and like putting on a funny voice and pretending to be a woman and right. Um. And yeah. And so. The imagery of, like, this golden man and this dark, mm-hmm. like, like, this golden man who's very, like, flamboyant uh, in both of his lives in different ways, like, kind of out there and silly or adventuring and sword fighting. And then this very, like, he's a, he's a bureaucrat. Right. um, Wearing black. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who is also, with a flick of his pen, is killing a lot of people. Right. Um, and so that dichotomy is very interesting to yeah. me. And then she's caught in the middle of her old life and this new life with this guy who she thought she was madly in love with. Right. Um, yeah. So that's <laughs> interesting. To yeah, me. I,
0: I, I really did. Well, I'm glad you have such a pr- pragmatic view of it because I was really <laughs> concerned last night. Like I listened to it for the second time last like, night and oh, I was just God. like, I don't, I don't. I don't know. Like I don't. I don't know. Like it's it's gonna be what it's gonna be. Yeah. Like I can't. I'm not gonna come in here and say like I loved it. But I didn't. That's the thing of it is like I didn't hate it. No. It didn't. It's not a nightmare. No. It's not a like a like oh my god like this is. It, it, I mean it did and it did for all of my hedging that number. It did run for 700 performances. Yeah. Even if it was broken up over like a, with a break in the middle, it still reopened and ran. Like mm-hmm. it did. It did run. So it attracted. us. It has a certain thing about it. It's just kind of flat.
1: Well, it's funny in the communities that I've talked to who like the hardcore Scarlet Pimpernel fans are not just hardcore musical fans. Mm-hmm. They are hardcore fans of all the different versions of the story. And mm. so, like, they may have that view, like I do, where this is just a piece. I will say there is one that I wanted, one song. That I want to talk mm. about that sure. it actually, like, uh, is the one you moment I really remember up, from the stage version. The and it's uh, Into the Fire. You can
0: tremble, you can fear it, but keep your fighting spirit alive, boys.
1: Let the shiver and sting you fling into battle spring to your feet, boys. Never hold back your step for a moment. Never doubt that your courage will grow. Hold your head even higher, and into the fire we go. But the thing that I remember from the, the stage version was that they're in a library at the start. And then during the course of the song, the whole library just morphs and transforms into a ship. And like, like hmm, the okay. the bookshelves move and sure. change, and it becomes like this this beautiful sailing ship, and they're going over to France, and then it morphs again, and then they're at the, the they're, they're at the guillotine, and they're all wearing disguises. Oh, okay. Like somebody's wearing a dress, and somebody's like. Sure. And then they all like scatter to try and. And save these people, but the idea of a library becoming a ship was just like <laughs> these are all my favorite images all in one place on our buckles while we're doing
0: it. There you go. Where can people see you around town?
1: Goodness gracious. Um. So I will be playing Rosalina in a uh, Flying V's production of Brother Mario. That's true. Yes, right. I believe it is. Mm, mm, don't don't January. hate me, Jason. Mid mid February to mid March. That Some, sounds right. Somewhere yeah. in there, uh, so that'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. It's it's a mashup of of Mario and Chekhov, and then um, uh, I'm going to be in their Flying V fights. Secret History of the Unknown Ooh, World. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, so that'll be um, early early summer. All right. Yeah. So Great. that's well, what I'm you, doing. thank you, Megan. Yeah. Thanks for coming down. Of course. Thanks for cold. having me. Of
0: course. <laughs> The original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who on the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. You can email us at OriginalCastPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to the Original Cast on iTunes, and while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to Megan Reichold for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal.